This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. It's MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with Sam Wells. I'm Jay White. Good Thursday morning to you, uh, Sam. Fun show today. I, I love yeah, it when loaded. we. Um, this is, I mean, not to take anything away from the college football season, but uh, especially like th- this little part right here, and then late in the summer, uh, we can take time to specifically dive into things that are not college football, which <laughs> is what drives so much of the sports scene in Mississippi, understandably. Uh, and with all due respect. Uh, but uh, you know what? Today is another one of those shows where we get to tell some really awesome stories about things that are not necessarily, or not at all, college football. Yeah. Which I enjoy now that this season is over. And we yeah. can take a, a deep breath. Speaking of enjoy. From it. I enjoyed that game Monday night. <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah. A lot. <laughs> and I apologize. I know we have a lot of listeners in Mobile, but uh, I don't apologize in that we are uh, state of Mississippi uh, fans and two of the teams oh, uh, who uh, reside in the state compete with uh, uh, Alabama and um I'm over it. Did you I'm say sorry, it. not sorry, basically? Yeah, pretty much. I, you know, I, I don't mean to be a hater, but I was a little bit of a hater on Monday. The championship game was really... It was a great game. It was, well, it was strange. Uh, the longest yeah. the longest possession for either team was four minutes and one second, and that was uh, a first-half possession for Clemson that turned into a punt. Uh, I believe the, the longest scoring possession by either team was something like 235 or something like that. And the average possession for Bama was a minute and a half. Uh, for the whole game, and the average possession for Clemson was two minutes, uh, and that's including the scoring drives. Not, That'll it, tell you that tells you why they lost right there. Well, I mean, neither team. It was there were there was really no offensive rhythm for either team until Clemson got it in the fourth quarter. Um, and there, a lot of people have looked for different reasons or what to blame for Alabama losing that game. Some people want to say it's offensive inconsistency, but they scored thirty points. Um, I mean, one thing you could point out is, I mean, Clemson ran, what, what 99, 100 plays in that game? Yeah, 98. Uh, so that's, I mean, that's that's just difficult for anybody to deal with. Yeah. Uh, in, in, I mean, Bama's defense so good this year. But, man, when you spend that much time on the field, I mean, it's just it's law yeah. of averages, I will Sam. say, I'll you know? say I mean, this. You're going to get burned if those guys are out there for that long, having to take that many reps against the offense that's been that good against whoever they play this Yeah, season. and I'll say this, and I'm, uh, you know, we don't take calls, so good. So that's why I'll say this. <laughs> oh, uh, man. Their defense oh, was good. I don't think that Alabama's defense was as good as everyone makes it out to be. Uh, I saw them get absolutely shredded to pieces by Ole Miss uh, back in September to the tune of 43 points and 555 yards uh, total offense for Ole Miss. Arkansas. Um, uh, put up Arkansas's quarterback Austin Allen threw for 400 yards and three touchdowns against that defense um, Clemson did pretty much whatever they wanted to do in the fourth quarter against that defense uh, a lot of people were trying to say that that's the best defense ever uh, I think that uh, you need to pump the brakes a little bit on that that I don't think that's true at all I think they were very opportunistic they turned they got a lot of turnovers and they scored points off of the turnovers but they are not the best defense ever and the best defense ever doesn't allow a team no matter what's going on to score 21 points in the fourth quarter well at least you haven't used that game as some motivation 
I'm just saying. <laughs> I just don't think it is. I don't think that's the best defense ever. And the SEC was, as uh, overall as a whole, the SEC was pretty bad this season, too. So I think maybe Bama's defensive statistics and wow. the defensive prowess was a little inflated on a league, that, we including could, a division that was not very good. We could go for a full hour, the, the path that you're heading on right now. We could go for a full. Well, hour. I'm just saying. I'm trying to bring a little, like, uh, I'm trying to bring a little reality <laughs> to what's going on. I mean, they were they were a good team, and they, they should have been there for sure. But uh, you know, best defense ever. I don't think so. <laughs> All right. So interesting stuff happening in the world of sports today. Their defense in '09 was what? way better than this defense this year. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, you make it sound like like that was an anomaly that Ole Miss put up that much that much points. That many points, that much yardage. Ole Miss had a good offense this year. Yeah, they did. Till down the stretch, the when they kind of gave up on the season. The best defense ever wouldn't have given up almost 600 yards to, an, to any offense. All right, well, how about Mississippi State um, landing Todd Grantham in what is this weird, seemingly one-for-one trade of defensive coordinators? It's like a with, fantasy football trade. It is, with, uh, straight up with Louisville. Uh, Peter Sermon leaves Mississippi State and is at Louisville now as a defensive coordinator, and Todd Grantham leaves Louisville and is now the defensive coordinator at Mississippi State. That's a really weird one-on-one trade because, uh, well, uh, Peter Sermon's defense was not good no. last year. <laughs> uh, and Todd Grantham, uh, his defense at Louisville was good. They were 14th in total defense last year. And he comes in with a, a sizable resume, including being the defensive coordinator at Louisville the last three years. Georgia, for three or four seasons before that, having been a defensive line coach and a defensive coordinator at, at, at four different stops in the NFL – um, and uh, I mean, he's he's got a track record. Uh, Peter Sermon, this was his first uh, DC job at uh, Mississippi State, and um, uh, it was statistically not a great stop on his resume. No, although it was a step up, and it's weird. It's I, I don't I don't know exactly how this worked out where the two guys just flip flop jobs and Louisville was like, yeah, that's cool or whatever, you know? And, uh, boy, if you're a Mississippi state fan, it's almost like, you know, waking up and winning the lottery, like three days in a row or something like that. When you were in a situation where you were uh, convincing yourself that we, it was cool to keep Peter sermon for a second year, just because you wanted to see what, what uh, consistency looked like, yeah, it's been uh, a while. as opposed to having like a, a like a seventh coordinator in nine years on the defensive side of the ball, and now all of a sudden you've got this guy with all this pedigree and, and recent success. And it's like, uh, well, yes, <laughs> thank you very much. It's been a while since they've had any any stability on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, and you're right, their defense was uh, it was bested in the bad category by <laughs> one team, and it is Ole Miss. <laughs> Uh, so uh, that defense was pretty porous. The back end of the defense was really bad. He'll have some po- uh, some pieces to work with, though, with Leo Lewis and uh, Jeffrey Simmons. And then uh, State's got a, a top 25 recruiting class right now with um, some early, some early uh, enrollees. I think they have 13 early enrollees, which is the most in the country. Yeah. So far, and uh, nine JUCO players that will come yeah, in and fill say, some slots too. So, heavy uh, JUCO uh, class, try to fill in some spots. Um, boy, if it doesn't work, he's connected to Jackie Sherrill forever, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, that's that's going to be an, an interesting to see, an interesting thing to see next year. Uh, just <laughs> I, I, I still don't 
understand how that situation plays out. But yeah, my wife uh, and I were talking about it last night. And she said, uh, well, "How is that possible?" And I said, "I don't really know because I don't want to be like I'm not trying to be a hater, but that defense is really bad, and I don't <laughs> I don't know why anybody would hire away the defensive coordinator for the defense that was 13th out of 14 in the league." So I, you know, I don't know. Yeah, but good for Mississippi State. That's great. Yeah, it That's worked. It worked out really well for them. Ole Miss uh, hired a replacement um, for Grant uh, Grant Hurd in their. Uh, wide receiver position it's jacob peeler who was they the receivers two. coach they hired two of them they hired one and he left well that's true <laughs> as skipping right past him uh used old miss as a nice stepping stone was there for about 20 minutes yeah and got a promotion great job at baylor <laughs> yeah uh but uh, jacob peeler comes from uh, cal uh, where he was the receivers coach and has quite a little bit of a pedigree of his own uh, considered a, a a really really good recruiter and uh, is coming back home. He's a Kosciuszko guy. Yeah, so uh, say, good for him. By way of Kosciuszko. Yeah. Cal to Kosciuszko and back again. That's right. From so. Berkeley, from Italic County to Berkeley and and back on home uh, to uh, Oxford. So Peeler is also a Mississippi State alum. So that's going to be, I uh, wonder how, <laughs> it's going to be an interesting working working environment for him. I guess uh, when you get to work at the SEC, it doesn't matter anymore. That's all true. those, all those Who's signing the, the check? That's, that's what's important. Who's signing the check? That's true. Uh, Mississippi State stunned Arkansas. Uh, up in Fayetteville, what? Yeah, first time in six years, Jay, that they won back to back. You you jumped right into my questions that I was going to ask you uh, this morning for our minute segment. Yes, but, uh, please go but, ahead. Uh, yeah, back to back road wins, an impressive just throttling of uh, LSU. Boy, they are. Whew. LSU is not a good basketball team uh, right now, and uh, Mississippi State just hammered them and then went on the road to uh, Bud Walton, a place they never win, yeah. and uh, and beat Arkansas, who was coming off that game against Kentucky, where boy that was close at halftime, and then and then the second half happened, yeah, for uh, for Arkansas, but uh, <laughs> and also Southern Miss got back to back Conference USA wins too. The Southern Miss team looked just absolutely miserable in Jackson back in December against Mississippi State. So my question posed to you is, yeah. are these teams headed in the right direction? Well, I think that, yeah, I think there's a there's a lot of argument that they are headed in the right direction. Mississippi State, um, all I could say is they've looked really good the last two games. You know, I it, they're so young. And, and of course, that's if you if you're a state fan and you've, and you've heard people talk about that basketball team, you've heard inexperience and youth ad nauseum. But um it, that's that's part of it you know it, it's earlier in the, in the I would say that they've got it figured out and now they're rolling but I said that earlier um, when you know after losing randomly to Lehigh at home by double digits they won three straight games non-conference that were really really good wins and then they turned around and dropped it again and you're like okay well just some some games they have it rolling and some games they show up and you know, they don't have it for whatever reason. But uh, it's like that first, they lost to Arkansas by, you know, 10 at home in that first game. And it's like, man, a bunch of these toss-up games in you the mean league. Alabama. What, who did I say? Arkansas. They lost to Alabama. They look oh, exactly the same. So, so. Well, no, no, you're right. It was, it was Alabama. Alabama. I'm sorry, I misspoke. But, Alabama uh, beat Florida, though, so apparently Bama's like not too bad either. Well, I see there's a bunch of teams right in the middle of this league this year, uh, accomplished coaches that are recruiting really well. But it hasn't necessarily come out in wins and losses yet. But all these teams have really high upside, possibly, uh, if, it, if it works out for some yeah. reason. But I mean, what, Alabama's record is like eleven and six right now. So yeah. I drew a diagram the other day that basically the SEC is Kentucky at the top, one notch below them is Florida and South Carolina. There are like twelve notches, and then everybody else is on that notch. And then, like four notches below that is LSU and Missouri. Yeah, <laughs> and LSU man, I. This is Johnny Jones's last season. There. Yeah, it's weird. The Johnny Jones things is not working out, and it's it's strange. And 
I kind of feel bad for him. You know, hit the hit the the jackpot last year with uh, the the freshman coming in, the freshman All American, All World player, and um, you know, not not in the same way, but the the disruption that that caused their team chemistry is kind of the same thing that ended Stansbury's run at Mississippi State. Rick Stansbury, uh, you you put so many eggs in one basket, and when that when that that one thing that you applied all of that, um, yeah, all of that importance to, all of that priority to, doesn't work out. Uh, it it kind of leaves you with nothing left, and that's kind of the situation. They, I mean, they put so much stock uh, yeah. in him last ben year. Ben Simmons and all that. Yeah, Ben Simmons that um, it destroyed their chemistry, and then he turns around and leaves. And I mean, they they I mean, they're having to pick up the pieces, and it's too far into his tenure to be having to pick up pieces. Yeah, um, I mean that's so it, their their deal is uh, pretty much over. Last word we here on Mississippi State. Big week ahead this weekend. They host Texas A and M, and then uh, or excuse me, they go on the road to Texas A and M. I think. Uh, no, they host Texas A and M, and then Kentucky. So big week. Uh, so we'll see if they're if they're on the right track. Then we're gonna we're gonna find out here pretty pretty quick. Say a little word about Southern Miss. Two, well, big, two big wins for uh, for Doc Sadler's team, and uh, you know maybe these guys are kind of off the deck and and coming back. I'll tell you this. I, I don't know um, how Doc, Doc Sadler is going to wind up recruiting players to Southern Miss. It hasn't been great so far. But that's I don't know if that's any kind of indictment on him. It's as much uh, the the general state of the program as much as it is anything. Um, uh, and one would assume that he's not cheating to get players there, which has happened. But um, it, I like his ability as a coach. I really do. And I, look, I'm not watching all their games from from tip to buzzer every time. But last year, it started off a train wreck. And by the by the middle of Conference USA play, that was a much, much better team that that put them in almost every game they played. And you could see, um, look, man, and they played a couple of games this year. Was it San Diego State? No, no, it wasn't. It was uh, Florida State they played, uh, who's eighth in RPI right now. And they just got blitzed. They lost by like 50-something in that game. They played Mississippi State at the Coliseum in Jackson. And, uh, I mean, what, State went on like a 32-0 run at one point in that game? 35-0 run, yeah. And, and they, they essentially, I mean, they were a bucket from getting doubled up in that game. Uh, and And – Man, I don't know the resiliency of young people uh, and of leaders. Uh, you play two games like that, that's an excruciating experience to go through as a competitor, and it gives you every reason to just quit and roll over and not care because it doesn't matter anyway. We've already been smashed as bad as you can be smashed. What's the point? But these guys keep battling, and they're battling back. Now, part of it is Conference USA is something awful. In basketball this year, it's like the 24th RPI league out of 32, which is really, really poor. And that includes yeah. the, the best team RPI in the league, which is Middle Tennessee. I think they're like 20th. They've been up in the top 20 for most of the season so far. Um, but the fact that those guys keep battling and not just keeping themselves in games, but winning some toss-up games. I mean, it's it, none of it is going to wash out by the end of this season. But if you're a Southern Miss fan, uh, you know, tried and true, if you're, if you're you know, dying the wool Southern Miss fan, you got to love these guys that are on your roster right now because they, they, they haven't given up. They keep battling, you know. And so the same team that took double overtime to beat Tougaloo, you know, right up the road up here in NAIA school, uh, just north of Jackson here, 
double overtime at home. Not that that should matter, but uh, a double overtime home win over Tougaloo, uh, you know, and now they're, what are they, sitting at two and one right now in Conference USA play. Uh, regardless of how you cut it, that's a lot of progress. Yeah. And it's been in the face of a couple times where they've been just like, I don't know, bombarded past the point of humanity. So good for those guys for battling like that and good for Doc Sadler. I still don't know if ultimately he was the right guy or if it's going to work. But given the situation that they have right now, they're still working hard at it, and they are improving. And I, and I guess right now, if you're a Southern Miss fan, that's everything you could ask for. Yeah, so, I don't know yeah. how many Southern Miss fans are uh, paying too much attention to it at this, at this point, but uh, well, you're right. if you right. look at if, pictures of the arena when they're playing home games, <laughs> not that many. Not, not a lot. Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll bl- blow past this, uh, this question about the Ole Miss basketball team last night, taking it on the chin to Georgia. Um, I'll say this, 16% shooting in the first half, 21% in the second half. That ain't going to do it, Jay. And uh, you got to wonder how many more whoopings uh, Ole Miss is willing to take uh, with Andy Kennedy in this new arena, uh, because ninety-five million dollars is a lot of money to spend on a place that you get beat by twenty points in. A twenty-point loss at home, uh, it, it was it was uh, suboptimal for Ole Miss. <laughs> yeah. Their RPI had been sitting in a really good place; they had been hovering in the thirties. They were thirty-ninth coming into that game. Georgia was fifty. And they essentially flip-flop places. I think Ole Miss is sitting right around 50 right now. I think Georgia jumped up to like 38th uh, because, you know, it's a 20-something point road conference win for Georgia against the top, what was a top 40 RPI team. So it was really good for them. Uh, but the total opposite for Ole Miss, a situation where, you know, they're always, they always seem to be right on the cut line and and a lot of times are are on the outside looking in, having to fight their way onto the good side of the bubble come March. This year, they had it set up really well where if they only play well in conference, I mean, if you just do decent in conference, you're going to be on the inside of the bubble blocking other people from getting in on you. And then that, you know, a home loss like that, and they've started one and three in conference. Don't freak out, though. They're the, the opening, the opening third of their conference schedule was is ridiculously difficult, including the start of the slate being, you know, home Kentucky at Florida. What? Help me out, he made Birmingham. Some, he made somebody mad about that. Do Ole, something for me, Birmingham. Losing, you know? losing a game on your home Florida twenty uh, to Georgia by twenty points will fo- be followed by a road trip to South Carolina, who is the third best team in the SEC, probably even with Florida like two A and two B. Uh, South Carolina is really, really good, and that's that's not going to be Ole Miss. It's good check time for Ole Miss. I, I'm not saying don't freak out uh, like you are. I'm saying you might need to freak out a little bit because uh, DeAndre Burnett well, it needs got, to get better. DeAndre Burnett got hurt last night. He's a leading scorer on a team. Uh, they sh- they cannot score and, well, or at least they can't from night to night like they looked great against Auburn sometimes and then they looked really bad this weekend well this Colin week. Neal didn't, so, didn't make a shot last night yeah um I mean bad he's not uh, good you've got to have somebody on the outside that can free up the defense against Saez he's also got to remember that he's a he's a perimeter player and and not Dale Ellis uh <laughs> out there shooting 19 three-pointers a game I love that you worked on that and you're better at it and you've added it to your game but that's not who you are uh, you know, I, we need you to be the double-double guy, uh, which he's been great at for the most part this season. But I think the offense, I think I said this last week, the offense, they need to figure out that the offense works through Saez and let the guards work off of that. But I don't think DeAndre Burnett has that gear in his system because when the ball goes to him, it's not coming back. It's about to be shot. Uh, and that's kind of a that, – that's been a kind of a, a disjointed part of their offense this year. 
We'll see how it works. They won't be coming to him for for a little while. He's got a high ankle sprain, and he'll probably probably be out the next two to three games. Yeah, we'll see how that works out, though. We'll see if that gives uh, Neil a little bit more space uh, to be a priority in their offense, and see if that frees up Saez to shoot more. Uh, the state game against Texas A and M, if I'm seeing this correctly, is a noon tip on CBS Saturday. Uh, and now state fans are really pushing for a big, uh, you know, big crowd, and they're they've jumped behind their basketball team after these two. Uh, road wins. Ole Miss in South Carolina is 5.30 ESPNU. Monday, um, excuse me, Tuesday, Kentucky and State is a 6 p.m. ESPN game. Ole Miss, another important home game against Tennessee. That'll be 8 o'clock SEC Network. And Jackson State will play their biggest road conference game of the year on Monday against Texas Southern. That's an 8 p.m. tip. And that'll be on ESPNU. So you'll get to see the Tigers uh, of JSU and the Tigers of Texas Southern also. All right. Dan Armstrong with Ole Miss Hockey. Egg Bowl on ice coming up this weekend. Orlando Melendez with the Harlem Globetrotters. That's all coming up starting after this break. News you can trust in radio built around you. Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Inauguration Day is right around the corner, and Chapter 1 of a new administration is set to begin. As stories take shape, NPR will be here with coverage you can depend on to help you make sense of it all. Listen every day. It's MPB's Season Pass with Jay White. I'm Sam Wells. On the phone now with us, Dan Armstrong. Dan is the head hockey coach for the Ole Miss Rebels. Ole Miss will host Mississippi State and Egg Bowl on ice. I guess it's a hosting as uh, I guess Ole Miss and State both play at the BCS Arena. Uh, They're in Tupelo. Game is at 7.30 Saturday night. You can get tickets via the BCS Arena website. Thanks for taking time out to talk to us today, Dan. How are you this morning? Uh, I'm great. Thank you for having me. In the last five or ten years or so, the hockey programs at Ole Miss and Mississippi State in our state have, have really gained a lot of visibility, and there's been kind of cycles where people are really starting to dig into it. What is the goal, and where are you trying to take the program? What are the obstacles that you have in front of you? It's very simply, I'm trying to take this program to the point that we become an a ACHA Division Three national powerhouse. Um, for those of you that don't know, we've actually made – the national tournament for ACHA D3, three out of the last four years. Uh, what that means is of the, you know, I think it's close to 150-plus member organizations, including uh, more than 30 or 40 teams, might even be more than that now in the D3 South. You know, we're one of four representatives from the D3 South that's gone to nationals to represent this region uh, three out of the last four years. And currently we're actually ranked eighth in the region, which would give us a bid to regionals. And if we were to go to regionals and then win two games, we'd be back at nationals again for the fourth time in five years in Columbus, Ohio. So where I want to take this program is to just continue that trend. I want us to keep getting to nationals. I want everyone to understand that, you know, there's football, there's baseball, but we also play hockey here at Ole Miss, and these kids are incredibly dedicated. They put a lot of work in, and the quality of play here, you know, it's not NCAA-level hockey, but it certainly is close as, you know, we've got guys from AAA hockey, prep schools up in Minnesota and Michigan and Massachusetts. Uh, you know, we got guys that have played youth national championship teams that have, you know, won trophies and played with first-round NHL draft picks in St. Louis and Chicago. So, uh, you know, we're, we're looking to keep trending up. We're looking to continue building this program. And eventually, you know, I would love to see it somehow or another us to get a rink closer for us here in Oxford. 
and really start to build us into an ACHA D1 program like Alabama and Arkansas have done. So, you know, the, 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 the president exists here in the SEC, and I'd love to be a part of it here at Ole Miss, too. Where do you recruit and how, when you reach out to players or when players reach out to you, um, you know, wh- what does the Ole Miss name carry and, and playing in the ACHA uh, Division Three? for players looking for an opportunity to play. The weather advantage, there's tons of questions I have here (laughs) playing at what is an SEC school and other sports. I don't know if that matters, but I'm just intrigued about how players wind up talking to you and hearing about Ole Miss and and what kind of a draw is it or is is it not? Admittedly, most of the recruiting comes from our players themselves. Um, You know, when you get one good player through the door, they tend to have friends that they grew up playing youth hockey with or went to school with, and then... I really try to work with our current players to leverage their former teammates and their friends to really start to build the program here. Um, when we made the national tournament three years in a row, it was built very, very strongly off of a single recruiting class out of St. Louis. Um, you know, and St. Louis has continued to be an incredibly stronghold for us in our recruiting. You know, we brought in, I think, three freshmen this year from the St. Louis area. Um, wow. Both of the assistant coaches are from the St. Louis area. It's an area that really is known for its hockey. There were, I think, four or five first-round draft picks in the NHL out of St. Louis last year, and we have several guys on the team that grew up with those guys, that know those guys, that have played with those guys. What it ends up coming down to is you get the chance to go to an SEC school. I don't know anyone listening to this would ever go back and say, you know, going to an SEC school was a bad decision or not the four to six best years of my life. Ole Miss is such a fantastic place to be you know, we, we actually make our hockey schedule uh, around the football team schedule. So all of our players are always in the grove for every big SEC home game. We have a tent right on the Walk of Champions. And when you bring a guy down here and you say, hey, guess what? You get to go to Ole Miss. And it just so happens we have a nationally competitive hockey team, too it starts to begin to sell itself a little bit. Dan, we'll talk about you and your staff's uh, obstacles that you guys go through uh, here in just a little bit, but talk about the players and what they go through. I mean, I know you guys don't give scholarships, uh, so speak to the dedication of these guys to, uh, to like you said, come to Ole Miss from uh, other parts of the country and also travel to practice and play their games in Tupelo, which is about 45 minutes to an hour away from school. Actually, we don't even play most of our games in Tupelo. We only play one or two games a year in Tupelo at the BCS Arena. All of our practices and most of our home games are at the Mid-South Ice House up in Olive Branch, which is actually even a little bit farther away for us. So, I mean, the dedication that the players on this team have, is it's really, honestly, a sight to behold. You have a group of 30 guys that are not just students at Ole Miss. Um, you know, they can't get any scholarship money from us. We can't give any as per league rules. So not only are they going to Ole Miss, going to school here, but just for operating costs, uh, you know, it's $2,000 per player just in dues to try and help us cover for ice time and travel and buses and hotels. So you have guys that are paying to play. And then also driving two nights a week, an hour each direction to get up to Olive Branch for practice. And then, you know, we get on the charter buses. We don't get to fly to Knoxville, Tennessee or Fayetteville, Arkansas. We're sitting on a charter bus for that six, seven hours plus, you know, take, take, taking the long way on the road until we get there and trying to get off and shake the bus legs off on a Friday night for a game. So, I mean, these guys are incredibly dedicated. You know, I, I couldn't ask for much more out of them for everything that they give to this program. Dan Armstrong, our guest, he is uh, the head hockey coach at Ole Miss. Let me ask you how you got to Ole Miss. So you came here in 2015, originally out of Hillsborough, New Jersey, just on the outskirts of town there. So t- tell me how you wound up uh, at the University of Mississippi. 
that's an easy one. So uh, my fiance, uh, she came to Ole Miss to get her PhD. So I am a uh, not only a professional in the workforce, but also what I like to call a professional tag along spouse. And uh, <laughs> I love I love the chance to get to support her and everything that she does. And you know, actually, I'm starting my MBA at Ole Miss uh, this semester in the spring. So I'm actually going to be a student here too. So I can finally actually be a student at the school I'm coaching at. So it's, it's going to be a new experience for me as well. You have a career in addition to this career as the hockey coach at Ole Miss and what all goes into that. A little bit about what you do outside of hockey and outside of your life at the University of Mississippi and how difficult it may be to balance those two things. I actually am a finance manager for the trade division of Houghton Mifflin Harcourt Publishing. So I'm sure many of you have read some of our books. You know, we publish Lord of the Rings in the States. Um, our children's division does Curious George and a few other books like that. And actually our, our big one this year has been the Whole30 Diet Cookbook, which I know has been a big trend. Uh, that's one of our cookbooks, too. So I work in the trade division as a finance manager. So I'm building our revenue models. I'm, I'm doing our monthly close activities. And then once the clock strikes six, you know, I'm putting my hockey hat on and hoping to get over to the rink. So it's definitely a struggle. It's, it's me and two other assistant coaches, and I can't thank uh, the assistant coaches, Justin Ragland, who does our work with our goalies, and Phil Jacko, our assistant coach, who works a lot with our defense. You know, both of them were students here at Ole Miss, and Justin's getting his master's right now. Phil got his. So all of us have uh, – Phil's actually a special ed teacher in the Oxford School District here. And then we have a GM, Angelo, who's finishing up his degree as well. So all of us, you know, we have we have our jobs during the day, and then you know the clock strikes six or whatever getting getting out time is, and <laughs> we all turn immediately to hockey. And it's it's become such an outlet for us, but it's it's a lot of time commitment for a group of us that volunteer. But you know, we wouldn't we wouldn't give it up for anything. We we do it because we love it. And guys like Angelo have been around Oxford for nine or ten years. Phil and Justin have been here for I think going on six or seven now. And, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't give it up for anything because this team is something that it's more than what we are trying to grow it into something so that, you know, one day maybe all of us have our name on some small plaque in a coliseum somewhere where Ole Miss has an NCAA hockey team. <laughs> Put a sheet underneath the uh, basketball floor at the pavilion one day, maybe. Well, we we always joke one day that, you know, our ultimate goal is to be a small name on a plaque somewhere in the back room of a building like that. And uh, that would be totally happy. We'd, we'd be totally happy to get that, just knowing that we were a part of trying to build it into what it could be. Egg Bowl on ice is this weekend. Talk about the rivalry with Mississippi State. Uh, not the most competitive rivalry, uh, but Mississippi State building a hockey team as well. What will the weekend uh, entail and how how heated is this game between Ole Miss and State? Admittedly, it gets a little bit more heated than you'd like it as a coach. I, you know, it gets physical, <laughs> it gets fun. You definitely have some kids on both ends of the ice, you know, chirping not only each other, but chirping the coaching staff as well. Uh, I think, really? you know, so, oh, yeah. <laughs> for better or for worse, um, you know, I've only been in Mississippi for about a year and a half now, but I have just come to terms with the fact that you are a state fan or you are an Ole Miss fan, and there is no gray area in there. And it is pretty much your job to hate the other side no matter what's going on. I will say I, I respect their program and everything they're trying to do, and I've talked to their GM, Derek, a few times. He's a great guy. And, you know, hey, I, I would love that rivalry to be a true rivalry. Um, you know, it is in all senses of the schools and the magnitude and what it means to put Ole Miss on the front of our jerseys and go out there and play a game against Mississippi State. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm expecting some big things. And, 
you know, we actually have a Tupelo native on our team and John Gatlin, who actually played baseball here at Old Miss yeah. and had the game-winning walk-off hit in the College World Series a few years ago. Oh. So we got a local boy coming home. So I think uh, probably about 30 Gatlins are going to be up in the stands. So if you see a group of six foot five, 230-pound people, that's no. <laughs> I'm loving the fact that we've got some uh, some good collegiate hockey, ice hockey here in the state, and uh, looking forward to uh, trying to get to the Bank Corp South Arena this weekend to see you guys play the Egg Bowl on ice. Thank you so much for your time. We really do appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, guys. Thanks for having me on. All right, Dan Armstrong, the uh, head coach of the uh, Ole Miss hockey team right there, 730 Bank Corp South Arena. Uh, Saturday night, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, the Egg Bowl on ice. I don't know if that's what they call it, but they should. If they don't, they should trademark it. <laughs> we are. Uh, We're calling it that. Right. Also, uh, Sam uh, did a great job trying to reach out to Mississippi State's hockey program. They, they we, we went back and forth and uh, couldn't get the timing down. We're going to try to keep them uh, in mind and get them on the program sooner rather than later. We'll take a break. When we come back, Orlando Melendez, the Harlem Globetrotters, playing three dates in Mississippi coming up. This is Season Pass. Shows, go to mpbonline.org. It's MPB's Season Pass with Jay White. I am Sam Wells, and I'm joined now by one of the Harlem Globetrotters. This is a career highlight for me. Orlando <laughs> Melendez, also known as El Gato, is yes, in studio with us today. Orlando, welcome to Mississippi, and thank you so much for being on MPB Season Pass. Man, thank you for having me. So you're here to promote an uh, appearance by the Globetrotters Friday, January 13th in Jackson. So tell us a little bit about that event. We celebrate our 91st uh, consecutive year. And uh, we bring in a lot of fun stuff like we do every year. Uh, we bring in a lot of dunks, a lot of excitement, a lot of crowd interaction. But we are introducing our uh, exclusive four-point line oh, yeah. uh, to the game of basketball. Now it used to be like uh, this four-point spots in the court. Now we have official line that uh, we will be shooting uh, on a game live action wonders that we do in the court. And we got guys and, and girls, that ladies that can make those baskets like it's nothing. Yeah, so we, how far is the the, the four-point line? It is 30 feet away from the basket. It's almost a half-court shot. You <laughs> can kind of you walk a little bit after half-court and you shoot it. And then, of course, you also have all the other antics from you guys about the ball spinning that we'll have a little we'll have a little video up on mpbonline.org uh, yes. after we finish up here and some other stuff. What other what other little trick shots do they do, and how much do you guys work on that stuff? Man, we work our every day. We have a practice before every show, but also we have a, a two-week training camp that we actually work on on uh, our basketball skills, on how we can implement new tricks and new things to their game, to our games. And also, you know, we practice, I would say, um, I mean, from the moment that you get up and you grab the basketball, uh, you start doing tricks, you start working on your own ball handling, you're trying to make it better, you're trying to improve improve your ball handling. But then when we go in the court, then we start working on basketball uh, first, and then we start doing our tricky shots. You know, we got our hook shots. From now, we, we're doing a... Our granny shots all the way from the uh, stands now. We were doing all kinds of uh, stuff. And uh, this past year, we broke nine records, war Guinness records. Uh, And uh, right now, we have one of the highest in North America, which is 583 feet at the 
uh, San Antonio Tower. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, it was crazy to watch that, by the way. Is it, that's on YouTube, too, I believe. I yes. think I've seen it before. The, the, the Harlem Globetrotters are the Dude Perfect before Dude Perfect was Dude Perfect. All that crazy stuff where they're throwing footballs off the top of the stadiums and yes. stuff. Y'all were doing that a long time ago. Yes, sir. Uh, so, I, now, I, know, I noticed you said you have women on the uh, on the team now. How long has that ha- ha- been an occurrence? How long have women well, been we, playing for the Globetrotters? We, the first one was in 1985. Okay. And then we have already 13. Uh, not total, but I mean, it, through the years, in 91 years, it's been 13. And right now, currently, we have four girls. We have TNT, we have Swish, we have Ace, and we got Hoops. And these girls are amazing. They can play ball, and they are really awesome. You know, they, they relate well with the crowd, and, and, and people love them. Yeah, I bet uh, I bet so. So, uh, Also, I know you guys are going to go uh, to Larry Batson Hospital, too, uh, locally here in, the, in uh, the Jackson area. Just talk about that interaction where you get to go and see kids. That, that has to be one of the best parts of being a Harlem Globetrotter and doing what you guys do. For me, it's one of the best, uh, most important things that we do, you know, besides the game, besides the, the fun stuff, just the community outreach that we do, programs like uh, um, ABC of bullying prevention and we go to schools and talk to kids about ABC. Also, we have our program like Smile Patrol. That's the one that I will be going to the hospital and talk to kids and, uh, and you know, just bring a little smile here and there, a little, you know, tricks, talk to them a little bit and make them feel better. Sometimes it takes just one smile to make a kid feel better to the point they want to eat. Yeah. And and then and, and I and I based on my experience I heard that before. You know, you make this kid smile so much that he was so happy, so upbeat that day that this kid wanted to eat better and this kid hasn't eaten eaten like that in maybe two or three days. So for me it's just fulfilling. To, to be part of that. Oh yeah, I bet so. And then uh, let me ask you a little bit about your own your own personal story. All right. Now you play basketball at North Carolina. Talk yes, sir. about talk about that just a little bit, boy. It, now Mississippi basketball. You know Mississippi State's been to the Final Four. Uh, the Ole Miss Rebels have uh, have, been, have been here here and there in the tournament to the Sweet Sixteen in two thousand and one. But two Final Four appearances for you yeah. as a North Carolina Tar Heel. Talk about being on that stage, man. It's it's probably like the one of the craziest things that ever happened to me. Uh, just go over there, 60,000 people in practice. Yeah. Now, you go to practice. It's like a regular game. You see uh, the whole stadium is packed to watch you practice. And then when you're going into that that level of that you made it to the Final Four, that you work so hard all year round from day one of school, from the mile that you run uh, to test how good a shape you are to all the way to the, the your your uh, out of out of um tournaments and you're in tournaments and all this stuff all the way out there it's just amazing trip and and had the experience to go to makes it unbelievable yeah. you know we San Antonio was the first one and the second one was uh in uh in uh, uh Indianapolis and even the second one we were not supposed to make it because you know we were not that uh ranked that though that time and we had like a high seed and we our season was not the best season but we still make that run. It was amazing. Yeah, it's something. To, that's why the NCAA tournament's the yeah. best. Cinderella know. team, I feel like we were. Even though that we have that North Carolina in our chest and people think, well, it's not Carolina. They're always going to make it. Nah, for us, it was just amazing. Yeah, that's, uh, that is great. Now, compare it a little bit. I know it's hard to do that because, I mean, the Globetrotters is, uh, you know, you're, you're having fun. It's kind of an exhibition thing going mm-hmm. on around the, uh, around the gym, trick shots, four point lines and things like that. But, uh, just kind of compare playing for the other, for those two. Kind of, I guess it's more enjoyable, uh, maybe as a Globetrotter than maybe it is, uh, with the bright lights on you in the NCAA tournament with, uh, playing it, in such a high profile game. Well, everybody loves you. You're always a home team. 
You always got the fans on your favor. Yeah, it's more fun. You know, you get the point. You you always win, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. uh, last time we lost it was in 1971. And it's a pretty good streak going. It's a great streak. And for me, you know, just I prefer this. Uh, we reach out to people and we actually make a memory that lasts a lifetime. You know, maybe saying, yeah, to the Final Four, people's not going to forget that. But for me, you know, probably a couple of people will remember that. But for me, it's been so many years, 91 years of history and being part of that. And then you go and meet somebody that was picked as a kid in the 1960 by Metal Lock Lemon or, or Curly Knee or someone like that, that Gosh. to be the kid to shoot the basketball. And we still doing doing that today. And that gentleman can remember that like it was yesterday. For me, that is what makes this better than any basketball I can play. Oh man, what a it's, that's great! Now, how do you make the Harlem Globetrotters? I, I read a little <laughs> bit, but I'd like for you to tell me the story. So, well, that. I got recruited. Uh, I got recommended by a coach, and uh, and then I went to uh, the tryout, and then I went to like a, what I call the roundtable uh, uh, interview because we had some of the legends there, and they're asking you questions and what kind of person you are. Do you you know are you a good guy? things like that, and they already know a lot about you, but yeah. you don't know that. And from that point on, it's, it's up to you to impress in the basketball side and also as a person. Okay, how long do you think you're going to keep uh, keep going and touring with As team? long as I can. You know, uh, sometimes, you know, it takes a, little, a couple things here and there that that, that I want to do, but, um, you know, as long as I can and, and I can keep bringing smiles and enjoy the people, I, that's something that I want to do as long as I as I, I can do it, as my body allows me, and and it's going to be fun. All right, and Elgato, you're also the first, if, let me get this right, the first Puerto Rican-born yes. member of the Harlem Globetrotters. First Puerto Rican born and raised in in, uh, in Puerto Rico, and and for me, it's even a privilege now, because now I'm not just representing the island, I'm representing all the Latin culture and the Latin community uh, in, in the United States, and also when I go overseas, South America, people find out that I'm I'm Latin, I'm Puerto Rican, and all this stuff, and that we kind of relate and yeah. a lot of things and we can talk about similar things that we do as as uh, hispanics and and for me it's a blessing yeah that's great basketball is huge in puerto rico people don't really know that right it's bigger now it used to be baseball baseball yeah. used to be the main and and it's proven in the major leagues you know you see all the big names that you have the hall of fame many of those are are came from the beautiful island of puerto rico so but now you know we got Jose Juan Barea. he plays for dallas you know we have a couple guys that have come up to the NBA and show their skills and and you know it is we always been around in the international games and hopefully we we stay around and and get better on the basketball scene. It'll be the 13th of January at the yes. Coliseum. What time are you guys tipping off? We're going to be at 7, and uh, we cannot wait to see everybody there and enjoy all the fun. All right, Orlando Melendez El Gato of the Harlem Globetrotters. Go watch them in Jackson, and you guys are going to be back in Mississippi at some point, right? I hear you say that. Yes, I believe we're going to be in Biloxi. Okay, do you yes. know when that's going to be exactly? I don't here? know exactly. I'm still like fresh on the, on the schedule. All right, well, I'll, ch- I'll check it out. We'll, we'll let everybody know as soon as it happens, as soon as we know. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks a lot for coming on in. Thank you. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. 
If you have a vehicle that you no longer need, maybe it's collecting dust, we have a solution. Donate it to MPB. Your donation will go towards supporting your favorite programs that keep the community informed. To get more information about our car donation program, visit mpbonline.org. That's mpbonline.org. Your vehicle donation can make all the difference. Inauguration Day is right around the corner, and Chapter 1 of a new administration is set to begin. As stories take shape, NPR will be here with coverage you can depend on to help you make sense of it all. Listen every day. Welcome back to MPB's Season Pass on Think Radio with Sam Wells. I am Jay White. Fun conversations right there. Yeah, I, I do want to mention this one uh, this one bit of information for uh, folks. Um, the Harlem Globetrotters will be in Jackson tomorrow night at the Coliseum at 7 o'clock. They will also be in, uh, let me double check on that time for you, but I'm pretty 100% confident. Yeah, 7 o'clock tomorrow night at the uh, Mississippi Coliseum. That's right, 100%. (laughs) Uh, Monday, Martin Luther King Day, on the 16th of January, 7 p.m., Mississippi Gulf Coast Coliseum in Biloxi. The the Globies, as their Twitter handle calls themselves, will be there. And then the next day, Bancourt South Center in Tupelo, Right after the, they'll have to clear that ice out. Right. <laughs> uh, from the Egg Bowl on ice, the 17th of January, 7 o'clock at the Bancourt South Center in Tupelo. So uh, catch the Harlem Globetrotters. That's three chances in three different parts of the state. So if you're in the north, you can go check them out in Tupelo on Tuesday, 7. If you're in, if in the metro area, you can check them out tomorrow night, 7, Coliseum. And if you are the uh, Mississippi, uh, the Coliseum in uh, downtown Jackson, and if you're in Biloxi, you can catch them on. Uh, Martin Luther King Day. I bet that'll be a special game uh, at the Mississippi Coast Coliseum, seven o'clock. So, three chances to catch the Globetrotters in Mississippi this year. That will be cool. In I'm sure row. there'll be plenty of things going on the Gulf Coast uh, uh, in uh, to honor Martin Luther King Day on Monday. Get to do all those festivities during the day, and then you could catch uh, the Globies at night there at the at the Gulf Coast Coliseum. By the way, we'll have some photos on the website of uh, of uh, me. <laughs> Me and our, our boss Jason Klein uh, uh, joking around with uh, with El Gato, Orlando Melendez. Nice guy, really, really nice guy, and uh, that was really cool. That was really. I did fun. see that uh, uh, Jason, uh, who uh, uh, sports a uh, bald head on purpose, uh, was having a uh, and a shiny one at that. Yeah, real aer- shiny. Aerodynamic uh, was having a uh, uh, the 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 patented old. Red, white, and blue basketball spun about his uh, head. Yeah, there. It's pretty. It's pretty phenomenal. And uh, he had to help me spin the ball myself. I can't. I can't do it. I can do it for a second. Yeah. I don't think that's the point, though. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> it was pretty awesome. So, uh, just uh, good chances to catch that. And uh, as you said, we will. Uh, we will continue to reach out to Mississippi State hockey and try to get that that uh, lined up perfectly for us to uh, to shed some light on their program as well. Not quite as established as Ole Miss, uh, um, but. Nevertheless, they uh, they're rocking and rolling over there with uh, with their hockey program as well. We we spoke to Dan after the interview, and a lot of hockey programs around um, Alabama, Arkansas have a couple of good ones. Georgia has a good one. Uh, so crazy, it think. is absolutely. Hey, uh, some interesting stuff uh, before we get out here. We mentioned uh, 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 Martin Luther King Day coming up on Monday. Um, there are going to be um, four. 
championship boxers. Champ, champ. World champ. That's right. Champ, champ, champ. <laughs> uh, four world championship boxers are uh, going to be in Vicksburg uh, over the weekend, uh, starting Friday, actually. Uh, and they're going to do a thing at the Ameristar Casino there. Uh, and it's going to be headlined by former heavyweight uh, champions Evander Holyfield and Riddick Bowe. Ray Mercer, a former heavyweight champion, wow. uh, and also a former champion, uh, and I forget what division he, he boxed in, so you'll have to forgive me, but he did have the best nickname ever. I guess he still does. <laughs> I wouldn't tell him he doesn't. Yeah. James Lights Out Tony. Yeah, that you is Don't a great mess nickname. with a guy they call Lights Out. Uh, all those guys will be um, uh, part of the parade, the MLK parade in Vicksburg, uh, and that'll be 2 to 5 p.m. Uh, downtown. Uh, and it's it uh, starts uh, going north on Washington Street and uh, ends uh, with a cookout at the Farmer's Market lot on the corner of Grove and Washington Street. So yeah, I if bet you drive through Vicksburg, you kind of know those uh, exits right there. I so. bet you our buddy David Francis will probably be just, he'll just happen to run into like all four of those guys at some point and have some sort of great, you remember David, the guy who met uh, Muhammad Ali that we interviewed on the show? Yes. And, uh, That's a pretty remarkable so story. He'll, he'll just fall, he'll just, unbeknownst to him, he'll go to Vicksburg and be like, oh, <laughs> I, I, I ate dinner with Evander Holyfield. Champs, champs, champs. Sorry, sorry, guys. I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know you all were going to be here. Right. He'll have a, just some great, fantastic story to tell, like uh, like he did with the with Evander Holy or with uh, Muhammad Ali. All right, Jay. We have like a minute left, so uh, we'll try to hit these uh, these last couple of questions that I had for you. Who do you have advancing to the championship round in the NFL playoffs this weekend? Oh, very interesting. I have uh, the Seahawks. And uh, the the man, I, I, can I legally pick against the Cowboys? No. Hey, your your man uh, Ezra Wall. MPB well, he's News a pack. He's, he's from man. Wisconsin. He's the one guy in Mississippi. Well, uh, he's from Lacrosse, Wisconsin yeah, originally, yeah. so he's allowed. He's a, yeah, for sure. Um, I'm not saying he's not allowed. I'm just saying he's probably the one guy in Mississippi cheering against Dak this weekend. Right. I, I have. I'm to, sure there are a few other Ole Miss fans that are cheering yeah. against. I have Dak. to pick the Cowboys, but I picked the Seahawks to win the NFC, and I don't know why. I think it's an experience thing. Um, and and Russ in these big games, he's always really About good. And then, um, so those are my two picks to go to the championship. Uh, game, and then I guess I'd already put that out there. I got the Seahawks winning the NFC. Boo! <laughs> what a jerk. Anyway, uh, in the AFC, I have the Patriots, and it doesn't matter who's playing on in the other games. It's right, the Patriots. I'm going Kansas City Chiefs because I don't like Pittsburgh because of my Cincinnati Bengal fandom. Uh, randomly, so weird. And yeah. Kansas City's uh, a very collegey atmosphere. I'm an too. Oakland A's fan, so I can't say anything. Well, it was, it, it, it's a. Uh, it's bizarre, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, so, um, hey, our thanks to uh, Dan Armstrong, uh, the head uh, hockey coach at Ole Miss, and uh, to Orlando Melendez from the uh, Harlem Globetrotters, as Sam mentioned. Uh, they'll be playing three different dates uh, in Mississippi uh, Saturday, Monday, Tuesday. So that'll be a lot of fun. And uh, Ole Miss, Mississippi State Hockey Bancorp South Arena, Saturday night, 7.30 in Tupelo. That's it for MPB Season Pass. We'll be back next Thursday at 10 a.m. on MPB Think Radio.